I, I touched my face out of habit, so please don't worry about me. And if I cough, don't panic. I feel absolutely fine. In fact, let me just continue to pray for you as an individual. I pray any time the coronavirus touches your body, it would die in the name of Jesus. I've heard of stories of revivalists who would go and work in plague centers, in leprosy camps. Lord Jesus, even you laid hands on lepers and saw them made well. So I pray every time in Jesus' name that you come into contact with it. I pray it would die in the name of Jesus. Amen. Cool. Um, Dad, are you okay? No one seems to be sitting next to you. You literally... Did you sneeze or cough or like what happened? I just don't... Don't you feel alone out there? Okay. Um, I was very open for the Lord to move us in prayer um, today, but I really feel such a strong power in the word of what I prepared. Um, so I'm going to go with that. I, I do want us to be very clear. We are praying for the coronavirus. We're not taking it naively. Uh, we're in communications with Kerith Community Church and also Kingsword Ministries to find out what they're doing and how they're handling it. So we're taking a lot of advice. Please keep up to date with the videos. So just know we're on it but we're not going to let that completely sidetrack us and fix our eyes on that. This morning, I'd like you to fix your eyes back on Jesus Christ for just this moment. Let's forget about it, right? We're all here, and then let's, let's talk about Jesus. Let's lift him up. Let's learn more about him, and then when we go back out, we can then start to think about how we're going to do that. Is that good? Because I feel like this word is so important. I, I just feel like um, that prayer at the start, I felt a very strong conviction from the Lord this morning, and I hope it's a challenge to some of you. I was about to say, I hope it's not, but I hope it is. Um, you know, Paul writes in Philippians 2, a very uh, interesting Bible verse. Uh, he says, uh, church, I, I honor you for obeying not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. And I love that. Because as a pastor, when I go up around for people's houses, suddenly they all say grace. And it's always funny because then the teenagers always are the ones that are really more honest. And they're like, mom, we never say grace. We're just saying grace because Liam's here and Emily are here. And it always makes me laugh because I'm like, it's so funny how when somebody's there that you see as an authoritative figure or someone you trust or whatever respect, whatever word you want to put on the end, uh, you suddenly start to behave very differently. And uh, Paul actually commends uh, the church in Philippi to say, I'm actually proud of you that you've obeyed when I wasn't there. Which shows that it isn't about me, it's about you. That you've actually had the conviction about it. That you've actually had a truth about it. And... Um, I just feel like God has been speaking to us so strongly in this Drink of the Spirit series. And I feel like he said to me this morning, this is why I really felt like he said, he said, Liam, people are still not drinking. That's why I felt like I had to come and repent on our behalf. I, you don't need me to do that. Christ did that for all of us. But I think sometimes it's good for us to know healing in that sense. And I just feel like, guys, I, I don't know how to convince you even more, but I do have one more message. I believe this is the last message on the series simply because I'm using the last Bible chapter in the Bible. So I'm running out of Bible to prove it to you is, is my point. But um, I, I just want to really convict you. I just really want to convict you. Wow, that's an interesting word to say. I just want to convict you. Please, drink of the Spirit. Can we stop... Um, can we stop looking at other things? Can we stop going to other things? And then can we stop justifying not drinking of the Spirit? That's the bit that gets me. If, if you're not drinking, just say, all right, yeah, this week I wasn't been drinking of the Spirit, so no wonder I feel a bit angry. No wonder I lack some grace. No wonder I snapped at my husband or wife. No, no wonder I was a little bit irritable with the kids because I haven't drunk of the Spirit. Just be honest about it. Don't just start justifying of like, oh, well, there's all these things and this happened and this happened. I'm busy. Da, 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 da. No, come on. I don't know how else to convince you. I've just, I mean, we're using the Bible, so even Jesus Christ himself has said it. 
And so I just want to push us this morning. We really engage with this message, really try and take it on board. And what I really want to see and hear stories of is you obeying in the absence of somebody that makes you feel convicted. So that when you go home today, you go, right, I feel a bit tired. You know, I'm going to pray in tongues because I know that edifies my body. And I know that edifies my soul. That when you go home, you go, I feel a bit disconnected from God, so you're not going to worship him. And when you go home, you feel a bit fearful, so you start declaring truth and scripture over your house. I mean, that, that's what we're looking for. Guys, you understand that this is an everyday thing. Yeah? You don't come and eat on a Sunday and then don't eat for the rest of the week. You don't come and drink all your water for the week and then survive. You do it daily. Amen. So guys, I really want us to be challenged about this, convicted about this, and I hope that my message today is going to stir you even more to press into it. But please, this is the source. Family struggling, drink together. Marriage struggling, drink together. Church struggling, we've got to drink together. Right? I love the phrase, drink of the Spirit. I love it a little bit because it sounds so weird, you know, when we're saying it. But what I hope, hope, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and listen over. This is basically about spending time with the Lord and learning to receive from Him and not from other things in this world. And please, are you with me on this? Is this not just Sam? Is, is everyone else, is it we good? <laughs> please hear me on this. Kill anything in you that is stopping you do this. Kill it. And I think pride is a huge one. We're actually going to do a series on pride, but I just sense it in us. that it, Look, guys, please, just kill pride. It will slow you down. It's the only sin that the Bible says God has to actually resist you when you carry it. Even as, an unbelie- as, even as a believer, even as a saint of God, he still has to resist you because he cannot partner in your ways. So kill it. Say, I will not think better of myself. I will not think more of myself. Just kill anything that gets in the way of drinking of your spirit. Because that's how we keep going. Are you ready then for part four of the sermon of Drink of the Spirit? If we will, we'll go all year. Because until we get this, there's no point doing anything else. You understand? Because if I get us to do something else, you'll try and do it in your own strength, and you'll be like, well, it didn't work. And I'm like, no wonder it didn't work, because you haven't been drinking of the Spirit, which is the source to make it happen. Why do you think Jesus said to the disciples, don't do anything until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't do anything. I wonder, how, I wonder if we took our lives that seriously. I'm not going to leave this house until I know God is with me. It's going to be one of those days. Revelations 22. This is the last chapter in the Bible. We are going to read it. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. And so you can see it for yourselves. If you ever wondered how the Bible ends, this is it. This is the moment. And you are going to be amazed to see what I saw when I was studying about living water. You ready for this? I'll come read it with you. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Okay, when I saw this, I reacted a lot more. <laughs> Living water, water of life. 
the angel in the last The last chapter of the Bible, people, it comes up once again, the river of living water. This is it. It's in the last chapter, and the angel has shown John, and John has written it down, and he sees the river of the water of life. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each and every month. The leaves on the trees were for the healing of nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb of God will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Looking forward to that tattoo. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or of sun, for the Lord himself will be light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servant what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming. This is Jesus speaking. I am coming again soon. Amen. You may be alive. It's exciting to think about every so often, isn't it? Just go, will I be there? That would be cool. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecies of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me them. Can I just, I'm going to really go after you this morning. You're going to not like me by the end of the day. Look at John's reaction to what he had revealed to our reaction. It's the same truth. You might go, well, yeah, but he had a vision. But it might not looked as supernatural as you think it might have looked. It might have looked him dreaming one night and going, was that of God? We just heard the same truth. This should be, this should be our reaction in us. I'm just saying, that's where we should aim for, okay? All right, side challenge for you. All right, okay, I'll calm down. Take the scalpel out, take a breath. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm the fellow servant which you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Anyone want to enter the city? Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. By the way, I put this bit in. I'm not even going to preach on it, but I wanted you to see it. These are Jesus Christ's words. I'm not making it up. I didn't want to shield you from anything. This is what he is saying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is... Whoa, hang on. 
the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecies of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him plagues described in this book. God doesn't joke, guys. I think he does. He has a sense of humor, but this is serious. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. What a Bible verse, eh? Has that challenged you this morning? I hope it's challenged you to take it a bit more seriously of what I've been saying. That this isn't some nice thing. If you want to add it into your life, it might benefit you a little bit. But this is, this is it. And even in the end of days, he's going to talk about living water. And this image is so strong throughout the whole Bible, I'm going to show you today. But I want us to take this seriously. I want you to really think about your life and say, am I actually drinking of the Spirit on a regular basis? Am I setting aside time for my Lord? Or when he comes back and he offers me my recompense, is it going to be a lot more meager than I act like? If it helps you and encourages you, the description in the first part, which I'll read to you in a bit, the river of the water of life, by the way, is a mirror image of how you and I can live today. It's not an image that is just to come, although there is a to come element about it, but actually we can live with the benefits of that water and the river of life. We can live with it right now. Because you and I actually have the living, the spring of living water dwelling within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I can live with those things right here, right now. Does that excite anyone? Because then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal. Let me tell you, if you are a member of the church, if you are a saint of God and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you have something that can make your path very clear. You have something within you that brings an absolute clarity and direction to you. It also says that will there be no night anymore. Let me tell you, you actually dwell with light within you. That's how you are the light of the world. We are supposed to shine on behalf of everybody else. Light bringing direction, clarity, guidance. If you need some of these things in your life do not just look to things of this world drink of the spirit it will be your clarity stop making it more complicated than it needs to be When you don't know what to do, get in your private room and say God I must drink of this spirit which makes things crystal clear I love the way it says crystal because we have the phrase crystal clear How do you think I lead this church, people? I go and I hear from God. And whatever he tells me, regardless of how many people it upsets, I say, that's it, because it's crystal clear. Not only that, but flowing, it'll be flowing from the throne room of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Guys, Jesus will be with us. 
We have the spring of living water showing that Christ is present with us. You have Christ wherever you go. When you walk into a room, you carry Christ. Think to yourself, what would Jesus do if he was here? It's a great question for me right now. What would Jesus do about the coronavirus? And you know what? I know the answer. It's crystal clear. I just don't want to like it or accept it because I know it challenges me and it challenges my faith. I know that he would still lay hands on anyone because he doesn't get unclean by them. He makes them clean. It's crystal clear. You can't argue with the biblical. It's crystal clear. It's just hard to swallow. Sometimes drinking of the Spirit takes a moment where you have to, you know when you swallow a tablet, you have to really psych yourself up to do it. And you're like, yeah, got it. Sometimes it's like that with God. You have to say, right, God, I, I can't, I don't trust this. It's, it's really scary, but you know what? Everyone's going to hate me for it, but you know what? I'm going to drink of it. And then out of this river, the tree of life, which is, by the way, the tree that Adam and Eve ate of, because God's sorting everything out. With its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Let me tell you, somebody, hear this today. You are a prosperous person, no matter what is going on in your life. You and I are supposed to yield fruit in all and every situation in life. So when the coronavirus comes, it does not matter to our church. We're still going to bear fruit here. Doesn't matter if it's online. Doesn't matter if we call each other. I bet you will see more fruit in this season than any other because we'd have to trust on God a little bit more. Let me tell you, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you still have his presence. He walks with you. You're still going to bear fruit then more than you would even if you're on the mountaintop. Don't believe me, Psalm 1 even says, whatever the blessed man does prospers. Come on. Every meeting you walk into, you should say, I will prosper in this meeting. It may not go the way I want it to go, but I'm going to end up doing something in some way, shape or form that's going to bring prosperity to my life. You prosper wherever you go. I remember I was doing a leadership course um, while I was a youth pastor, and I was doing this leadership course, but it was becoming so tiresome to get there and get back, and I had to run all our youth ministry, um, that, you know, I, I decided to, to quit it, basically. And I felt really bad, because I felt like, you know, I haven't really prospered in this. I felt like I quit. But what's really funny is the person I ended up sitting next to every time I went on this course ended up becoming a lifelong friend, and she's now doing amazing things in ministry, and we're able to keep in contact. You see what I'm trying to say to you? Even when I fail as a human, I still prosper in the spirit. That maybe wasn't a good analogy, but did you understand what I'm trying to say? Wherever you go, whatever meeting you sit in, whatever classroom you go to, whatever, you prosper because you go. When you drink of the Spirit, you must be drinking of the Spirit. The Bible says here, no longer will there be anything accursed. No more curses in your life. It doesn't sound as engaging to us in England. We don't talk about blessings and curses in the same way. If I said this in Nigeria, that would have got like a real shout out. Everyone would have started waving their chairs around. But can I tell you, this is a big thing. The tree of life, they can eat of it. There's no curse there anymore. There's no curses over our life. No sickness, no guilt, no struggle, no strife, no sorrow, and no even death. The curse of death is gone from you. 
You might think, yeah, but I'm going to die. No, you're not really going to die. You're just going to transition. Come on, we love saying it as Christians. When you're going to die, just say, no, I'm entering a transition season where I'm going to something even greater. All right? Do you understand? We use the wrong language still. Guys, you're not a cursed person. When you drink of the spirit of life, when it dwells within you, when it bubbles up from within you, sickness cannot sit on you. There's going to be worshipping of God in this place. We will see his face. That's so important because Moses couldn't see his face. Moses had to hide behind a rock otherwise he might have died. But because there's no more curses anymore, you and I can look at him eye to eye and say, you are my God, you are my king. There will be worship in this place. The leaves from these trees, they'll be for the healing of nations. We are nation healers. We bring justice. We bring light to darkness. We fix things. We solve problems. That's who the church is. That's what we're supposed to be about. You, when you go somewhere, don't be surprised when God sends you into a dark or a toxic work environment because he's sending you there because you carry the leaves of healing. You're supposed to go and make a change in your workplace. I love it. Christians, they, they, they make me laugh because they go to these job places and then they'll start moaning about it and say, yeah, but it's really bad and toxic and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, why do you think you were sent? And what's funny is we often pray, God, come and do something in my workplace. And God's like, I, you are there. I've sent you. You are the healing that this world needs. And my friends, this will be forever. And they will reign forever and ever. Can I tell you that you are an eternal person? You reign for eternity. You do not have an end date. Can I just remove the worry and fear of death off us? We, we talk about it far too wrong these days. Of course there's a sadness in it because we're separated for seasons from our friends and family. And of course there is a sadness for those that don't believe. But guys, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't die. Do I need to yell the point without help it get across with that? You don't die. You just go and be with Jesus Christ in this even more bubbling up. You see the Bible says in John 4 where Jesus says to the woman of the well, it says the spring of the water of life will spring up in you, swell up within you and bubble over to eternal life. You see, the filling of the Spirit is just going to constantly fill you more and more and more and more and more until you get to a place where you go to heaven and you see it all as it should be. We must live better with heaven in mind. Guys, that's who we are. I thought that might get you a little bit more smiley or... We are people that bring clarity. We bring Jesus with us. We are prosperous people. We are healing people. We are people that worship the Lord. We are people that have intimacy with God. We are people that reign forever. That's who we are. We are the church of God. And our job is to call heaven down to earth. You and I are not only 
drinking of the water, we actually spring it forth from within us. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. You are the river that it's talking about. When it says the river of the water of life, that is us. That is who we are. And then because we know as well, you know, we talked about the temple. We are actually the temple that the river actually flows from. So God actually says, you are my temple. I will dwell within you. And then you are going to be my river and I will flow through you. That's who you are. Can we start living like it, please? Can we stop living in such defeat and apathy and, 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 and hidden sin? and all? That? Can we actually just start living as this thing? Wherever we go, we should have a sense of victory about us. People should want to be around you because you bring a sense of, I'm going to get this done. Okay, maybe, maybe I need to go and explain it some more. Let me explain to you how incredible this, this imagery is throughout the Bible. Are you... Can you go on some Bible teaching with me today? Do you like some Bible teaching? Good. Because this is a phenomenal thing in the Bible. And the fact that it's there in the last chapter is also really significant. Because it starts in the first chapters. Okay? And I'm going to demonstrate. Sam, you're going to have to help me. Just, you can do the thing. In Genesis 2... God creates the world and he creates a garden of Eden. And in the garden of Eden, he creates a river. Oh, Sam, here he goes. We, I brought this, I thought it would be fun. Just go for it, yeah. I would say something, but you're not going to listen to me at all, are you? You're going to... Okay. It takes a lot of water, yeah. That'll do. And then plug it in. It's a self-contained water fountain, everybody. Is it enough water? Maybe some more water? More water. A bit more water, because it can do more. There we go. Does that help? Oh, come on. Where's your water bottles, everyone? It's going to be really fun for everyone listening to the podcast. <laughs> All right, that would do. Thank you, Sam. In Genesis 2, he creates a river of the water of life. It begins. The imagery begins of learning to dwell and be with God. In Genesis, of course, the world was as it should be. And by the way, it's as you will go back to. Yeah, do you understand how the significance of that? We are going to go back to that place. And in that place, you dwelt with God. In fact, you walked with him. Like you stood beside, you actually went for an afternoon walk, not with your family, but with God. 
You need a Wii. It's going to get worse. Now, here's what's amazing. God knows what we're like. God knows what we're like. He knows that even though I've told you all these amazing things, still within us there's a humanness that just goes, cool, yeah, great, cool, thanks. I'll take that on board if I really feel like taking it on board. We all feel that. And actually, God knows that we're going to mess it up and get things wrong. And, and so God then continues to remind us of this imagery throughout the whole Bible. And as I said that we are a mirror image of this moment here, we are a mirror image of this river. There's actually so many of them in the Bible. So Sam, can I ask you and your friends to come and grab the mirror? Come on, go, go, go. Ruth, they may need you as well. Thank you. They might need you. Okay. Everyone apart from Ben, turn it the other way around so people can't see it. Everyone apart from Ben, turn it the other way around so people can't see it. Lemony, can you turn it around? Ruth, turn it around. No, turn it around, not you. (laughs) Okay. Now, are you with me on this? Okay, just hold it normally, please, Ben. Thank you. There's a mirror image in the tabernacle. You see, there is a season when God has to separate himself from man because of their sin, right? And then he has to save them from Egypt, and then he collects his people together through the promise of Abraham. And here, he then shows a mirror image of being that dwelling with him is the significance and source of life. He's trying to say, I am it, people. Stop looking for other things. I am it. He's trying to say that again and again and again. So he asks them to build a tabernacle, which, by the way, points east. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago you didn't know why it said it pointed east? Because the Garden of Eden pointed east. They exit through the east gate when they left uh, Eden. And so he builds a tabernacle so they enter back through the east gate. It's a symbol of God saying, I now accept you back in. And then he would dwell over the tabernacle as what? A cloud. He's saying, I can't be with you and in you because you still carry sin. But I can dwell with you as a cloud. What does a cloud hold, people? Thank you. You're getting this imagery. This is, this is important. Then, there's another mirror image. Have you got, you got the rocks? We're going we're gonna, to, by the end, we're going to see the rocks all the way in the end. There's a temple. Do you want to turn it around so everyone can see? Thank you. Then you can come back. There's a temple. You see... The people of Israel, they had to move regularly because they were lost in the wilderness. But now they have the promised land again. The promised land of where God is going to dwell. The heaven, that's what he's talking about. It's a symbol of heaven. And he says that you're going to build a temple for me. And this temple is going to be laden with all kinds of materials and things. And what's the best material they use to cover the whole of the inside? Gold. Isn't it really interesting that the river in the Garden of Eden breaks off and one of the paths goes to the land of gold? The temple is a mirror image of the fact that he is the source. And he says, I will now dwell in one place and that is where you can find me. And again, it points east because he's saying you're coming back in through the east so that I have now accepted you again. 
And not only that, but then it continues on. And it goes to the prophets. And the prophets, especially Ezekiel and Zechariah. Ezekiel, by the way, is before Israel was sent into exile, if you understand that story. And Zechariah was after, if that makes any significance to you, if you've you've read the Bible enough. But Ezekiel and Zechariah both say that there's going to come a day that the temple of God will have a river flowing through it and it will be known as the river of life. Now these people would have understand this imagery because in the temple, do you remember Jesus Christ? He stood up at the moment when they were pouring water out on the steps. Because these people had been celebrating a festival where every year they would have poured water out and said, God, we are waiting for your living water. And then these prophets come along and say, there will be a day when the river will flow from the temple and it will bring prosperity and healing wherever it goes. Do you think God is trying to tell you something this morning? I am the source. I am the satisfaction. Come to me. We still don't listen. So of course Jesus, funny that Sam has to hold it, Jesus comes back as himself. In fact, this analogy is a little bit weak because Jesus came back with another fountain almost. Because he doesn't, he is not a mirror, he is the image. So I do break down a little bit here, but you, you can forgive me. Jesus then stands up in John 7 as we did together when we, we did that dramatic moment and he says, I am the living water. All who drink of me will never be thirsty again. Come to me. He's saying it again. He came down because he got so annoyed that we're not listening. So he came down himself. And then finally, Jesus says something really interesting. Jesus then goes and dies on the cross, says to the disciples, do not do anything until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know when he talks about living water, because the Bible says so in John 7, he means the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I found a way to not only supply you with water when you need it, but to actually give you an everlasting eternal spring within you so that whenever you want it, you can tap into it. And so then he says, I'm now going to use my church. And we are now the mirror image of Jesus and the fountain all the way back to the river that dwelt in the garden. You are a mirror image of the Garden of Eden. You are a mirror image of the tabernacle. You are a mirror image of the temple. You are what the prophets prophesied. You are what Jesus spoke about. In fact, you represent Christ to this earth. Stop living for you. You are meant to live as Christ lived. You are supposed to, if your name goes on lights, you've made a mistake. It's supposed to be Christ's name over your life. And he says, I then fill you with that spirit. And the church becomes the symbol, the mirror image of it all the way back. Now, how many mirrors are there? And if we include then the original, six. Five, the grace of God. Interesting, because what does grace mean? Do you remember this? See, this is all linking from John 4. Grace means he's going to keep trying and keep being there for us. And even when we make mistakes, he's still going to keep going. And how many times did he try? Five times. I'm going to keep trying with you guys because you're not listening to me. 
and then there's six. We add in the sixth thing, the original symbol in the Garden of Eden, but it's six, but it's still broken. It's still not as it should be. The picture is still not complete. So in Revelations 22, Jesus says, I am the source of the living water. I am the river of living water. And in the end days, you and I will dwell in that river. He says, come to me, all who are thirsty. Jesus says, I'm going to come back as the seventh picture. And I'm going to be the completeness, the wholeness of what has happened throughout the whole of history. I am going to be the fullness. And then he's going to say, I can see the rock and the river all the way through it. I thought I deserved at least a round of applause, guys. That's me. Come on, don't. You need to receive. Do you, this is huge. This is huge. God has put up with us all this time. And he said, I'm now filling you with that spirit. But yet we keep asking for more. God, do more. God, answer my prayers. God, do this. God, do that. I need, you to un- I need everything to understand. My go my way. I'm like, he's filled us with the power of the living spirit. And then he says, I'm going to come back. And I will complete the whole picture. So in the Genesis 2, he talks about the river of the water of life. And in Revelations 22, he talks about the river of the water of life. And throughout the whole of it, every mirror you look in, he's saying, I am the source. Thank you very much, guys. You can sit down. Are you getting the significance of going home and praying by yourself? Of going home and opening your own Bible and reading it for yourself? Of going home and speaking in tongues? Of going home and lifting your voice in worship? Of going home, spending some time in silence and just hearing from him? Spending some time in thanksgiving? Are you understanding the significance? Because I cannot tell you, there is no other solution. I cannot give you a list of to-dos and to-don'ts because if you, do not, if you do them without drinking the Spirit, it will not work anyway. And God has told us from the very beginning and he continues to tell us throughout history, I am the source. Would you please just come to me? If you're thinking, okay, Liam, I'm really convinced, which I'm hoping you all are. And I'm hoping you don't sit there and think, I don't need to hear this. Because I need to hear this. But if you're thinking, Liam, I'm convinced, I want to be a person that drinks of the Spirit. Then I want us to look at the last bit of the Bible verse in Revelations 22. And that's going to be our cue of how to do it. So here here we go. Here's how to drink. If you want to drink, here's how to drink. Um, Max, can we load up the last few verses? I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to them. Keep going. Keep going. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon again. Come, Lord Jesus. Is that it? That's not what I was looking for. Sorry. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray you move amongst us. I don't want to lose the significance of this moment with my failure. I pray that this word would stick with people. In Revelations 22... It says, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. 
come. It says, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Because the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, which is telling us constantly to go to Jesus to drink. And the bride is the church, which are supposed to say, come and drink. That's what we should be saying. Have you got it? And let the one who is thirsty come. If you want to know how to drink, come. Go. Whatever phrase, whichever way round you are. Come to Jesus. If you want to drink, come to Jesus. Go and be with him. That's how you drink. You come to Jesus. Isn't it funny? Because when I started thinking about this, I realized he said it so often in the Bible. He keeps saying this phrase of come to me, come to me. What does he say when you're tired and weary and heavy laden? What does he say? Come to me. What does he say when he first calls the disciples? He says, come and follow me. He constantly says it throughout the Bible. He's saying the same thing that he said from the beginning of time, and he will continue to say it to the end of the time. He is saying, come to me. I am the source. Come to me. It's an invitation to every day go to Jesus. And I guarantee you, if you do that, you will find satisfaction in your life. And even if everything else falls apart, you'll still have a peace about you. And I want to stop hearing from us as a church. We're struggling with situations, da 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 if you have not drunk of the Spirit. Before you come to me, come to Christ. Before you go to a friend, go to Christ. Before you look to find anything else, go to Christ first and say, God, let me just see if you can fix this within me. And you'd be amazed how quickly and how often he will give you a drink and you won't be thirsty anymore. This is the answer, my friends. So, we have 15 minutes. Let's come to Christ. God, I come to you. You are my source of satisfaction. You are my source of life. I'm going to let go of pride. I'm going to let go of selfishness, where I think that I can do it all by myself, that I don't need anybody, that I can fix it, I can solve it, I just need to work harder, put more hours in, speak to the right person, get to the right place. God, I I repent, and I say, I come to you today, and I say, I am thirsty, I'm heavy, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And God, I say, I come to you. Can I please have a drink? Thank you that there is a source of water within me. That I do not need to go to some fancy temple. I don't need to go through the right person. I don't need to have somebody else pray for me. God, I can come to you for myself because it dwells within me. And so today, we come to have a drink.